Okay, we are getting right into it today. My check, my check. We're getting right into it today. Um, so I knew that I knew that my uh, my last episode, um, you know, the segments that we did with my quarterback tears, my quarterback tears, and not only my quarterback tears, but my my top ten all time NBA players. I knew that was going to generate a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz. And I knew a lot of people were going to have their comments and going to have their own opinions. I was ready for that. And I and quite frankly, I want that. That's what makes the that's what make this podcast and this show so compelling. Uh, I want feedback. I want, uh, you know, the disagreement. I want the arguments. I want your lists. I want your opinion. You know, you guys come here and listen to me and I give my opinion. You know, I basically I give my opinion and I'm just the guy with the platform. But you can also give your opinion. You can also send in questions. And I, 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 I greatly appreciate it. And I recommend it. So I got a good question. A good question from a listener. He, uh, after the, uh, You know, this is late last night. I got a good question from him. And he must listen to the podcast. I don't know. But he said, he asked, there is a case for Michael for... Magic Johnson being the greatest basketball player of all time. Magic was the best player in the 80s, and Jordan didn't win until Magic and Bird got older. Would Jordan still be the player he is known to be now if Magic was younger? So, and this is a great question. So, there's so it's two questions. There is a case, well... Well, it's not two questions. There was a statement. He's basically saying that the listener that you know that posed this statement on me, uh, basically saying there's a case of Magic Johnson being the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, on my list, when I broke down my list of my top ten NBA players of all time, um, I talked about how Magic and um, well, mainly Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I talked about how Kareem has a strong and valid case for being the best or the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, if you take into account to his championships, uh, his accolades, his numbers, his stats, uh, you know, his game. If you take into, if you take into account of all of that, Matt, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has a good case for being the greatest basketball player of all time. Not only just with his professional career, but then with his collegiate career at UCLA. So I made a compa- You can make a case for that. People tend to don't do that. Most people say it's either Michael Jordan or you know LeBron. You know has emerged in this discussion. He's a, he he has emerged in this topic. And some people would say LeBron. More people would say in lane with Michael Jordan. But it's interesting that this listener brought up Magic Johnson and him having a case for being. The, the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, usually on my on my podcast, if you're if you're a regular listener of my podcast, you know that I say there's usually about six guys that change the game. When I think of basketball, I think of six to seven guys that has transformed uh, or has or has changed the game the way how we look at it. Um, I look at. Six or it's about there's about six or seven guys where I think those are the guys that like really pioneered and like changed and transformed to get transformed the NBA and the game and how and the way we think of it. First, Wilt Chamberlain, he dominated the game. Wilt dominated the game. He was the most dominant force in basketball. Second, the the next two players would be. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird in the 80s, uh, they sa- I often say they saved the league. The NBA Finals in the 1970s was coming on. on it, they would come on tape delay. But to have two transformative players play for the two biggest, or you know, the two most legendary uh, franchises, the Celtics and the Lakers, for those two stars to clash and meet in the finals, those two players and note with those two teams, Magic, Magic and Bird saved the league in the 80s. The league was coming on, the NBA finals coming on tape delay. 
the Magic and Burr and the Celtics and Lakers rivalry saved the league. Then I often say Michael Jordan made the league global with Jordan and his brand and then him and with the the 1992 Dream Team, uh, Jordan was a global phenomenon and Michael Jordan with his shoes, with his charisma, with his game, he made the game global along with David Stern, but Michael Jordan made the game global, especially with the 1992 Dream Team. Then I often say LeBron made the league mobile. LeBron has made the league mobile. Until LeBron made his move to Miami, it was unheard of stars leaving their own team and then joining other superstars. Unheard of. Now it's the norm. That's the norm. If you don't do that, the media looks at you crazy. The media says you you don't want to win if you don't do that, if you don't join other stars. So LeBron made the league mobile because before then, it was really unheard of a superstar in his prime leaving his own team to join another superstar in their prime. To It was just unheard of. And, you know, a guy of LeBron's uh, caliber – we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in the in the midst of their powers, of their peak powers and their primes. We haven't seen it. Um, and then, lastly, I often say Steph Curry. He with with the three point shot, in the way how he's able to the, the 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 way how he's able to hit the three point shot, he's he's basically eliminated the center position in basketball. He has made centers go extinct in basketball, essentially. I mean, if you think about it, essentially, he's made centers ex- be, be extinct. L- Curry in his range, and then him doing it off the dribble, has just changed the game. So, now, let's go back to my point. With, no, let's, let, let's go back to the point at hand where we, when we're talking about Magic and him being the greatest player of all time. Now, I'm going to take you back. In the 1980s, I, I mean, obviously I wasn't born, but just... Doing a lot of research, reading a lot of, you know, looking at a lot of film, uh, looking at these documentaries, the, 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 the way how they're describing it. In the 1980s, yes, in, in, in the early 1980s, throughout 1980 to, 1980 to about 1985, 1986, around the league, it was widely regarded that Larry Bird was the best player in the league at the time. I don't know. That, but that was just that was just the regards around the league. That was just what was being said around the league. Larry Bird from about from about 1980 to 1985, 86. Larry Bird was the best player in basketball that in, in, in the NBA. So that's that. That was just the perception around the league. Bird had won back to back. He 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 won back to back to back. MVPs. He uh, he won three titles in that in that six year span that I'm alluding to. Uh, so it was just he won rookie. Of the, he he beat out Magic to win rookie of the year. Even though Magic won the NBA Finals and won Finals MVP that his rookie year, but it was still widely regarded that Larry Bird in that time frame that I mentioned was the best player in basketball. Um, now. Bird obviously had dealt with back injuries as you know as as he aged and as you know his game you know as time went on obviously he dealt with back injuries and magic then propelled as Kareem got older magic became a better offensive threat um or more of a he he became more of an offensive scorer more of an offensive threat um as magic i mean as Kareem got older uh Magic stepped up to the plate offensively. He took the offensive, you know, him along with him and James Worthy. So, so yes, I do think Magic does have a case for being the greatest player of all time. Um, and if he was younger, would Jordan still be Jordan? Uh, I I would say I would say yeah. I think Jordan, even if Magic was younger, and, and and if you're trying to say Magic plays a few more years in the nineties. Yeah, I think Jordan still would be Jordan um, because, you know, the, the, the unique thing about those Laker teams, uh, you know, Kareem was there for all their titles. 
even though Magic got back to the finals with without Kareem uh, in 91 against Michael Jordan, uh, that, the, that Laker team in 91 just wasn't the same without Kareem. Um, and I think Jordan still becomes Jordan because Jordan still would have to go through those Celtics teams. Um, he would still have to go through those Detroit Pistons teams in the late 80s. Um, I think I think the way how the, the the timeline that Jordan had to go through and the teams that he had to go through, mainly the mainly the bad boy Pistons in the late 80s with, you know, led by Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, all those guys. Um, I, I think they ultimately made Michael Jordan better. And then that's what led to his um not to say emergence because Jordan was really good in the 80s, but I, that's what led to Jordan winning titles in the 80s and then him, you know, Scotty developing as a player as well. That was also that was also a big part of it too. But also them also Michael Jordan getting that monkey off his back and beating the Pistons. I think the Pist- those 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 whoopings that he used to take from the P- Pistons or they, you know, losing to him in the conference finals, losing to him in the semifinals. Those those series, those playoff losses, you know, just to get that off his back, I think that's what ultimately propelled him to, you know, win, to have two different three-peats. I think that's what ultimately propelled him. So, yeah, I think Jordan still would be Jordan, and I think Jordan would still be uh, recognized as, like, you know, universally known as the greatest basketball player ever. But I, I just think, um, I, I, you know, with Jordan, he came in like he was – Jordan came into the league dominating. Um, he came into the league averaging – his rookie year averaging 28 and a half points. You know, going to the Boston Garden and dropping 63 on the Celtics in the playoff, in the playoff game. You know, he, you know, winning MVPs in the 80s. He was th- – he was – he didn't have he didn't win as much he didn't have he didn't have the you know the winning the winning aspect part down in the 80s but Jordan was putting up some great numbers in the 80s and you know he won a couple scoring titles won a couple MVPs Jordan was really good and I think his global brand I think his game I think uh his I think his shoes his sneakers obviously played a huge part in him becoming the GOAT. Um, you know, it, it, you know the, the commercials, I, obviously the great the Gatorade commercials, you want to be like Mike. Magic, and yes, Magic did have charisma. Magic played in L.A. Magic was showtime with the Lakers. But I feel like with Jordan... There's a, there's a, with Magic, in Jordan and Magic, you know, there's a likable quality about Magic Johnson as well. But I feel like with Jordan, it was the array. It was the, it was the, it was, it's just the appeal of Michael Jordan. And, you know, the sneakers and Spike Lee and him playing for the Bulls. And I think that's why people are so hyped for this, this, uh, this 10-part documentary that ESPN is putting out that they have scheduled and moved up forward. I'm going to talk about that, you know, after I, I, I finish addressing this. But I, I just think, you know, the, uh, there's just a likable and a gravitational pull about Michael Jordan. And like I said, yes, those bad boy pistons definitely helped him, definitely helped him and propelled him to winning titles in the 90s. His sneakers, his brand, the global brand of Michael Jordan certainly helps. With Magic in the 80s, the, um, the, 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 the league, the NBA wasn't a global brand. It wasn't, it wasn't like a big-time global brand. But going into the 90s, early 90s, especially the 92 Dream Team, which you know helped propel the NBA to being a global brand, Yes, Jordan, the global, the global aspect, the global impact of Michael Jordan, his sneakers, his commercials, you see him everywhere. There's a fact, I think that, that, that definitely plays a factor of Jordan being Jordan. 
And, you know, Magic doesn't have the high, you know, he don't have the high, you know, the high price sneakers. You know, like I said, Magic played in L.A. Magic had the charisma. Magic, his game was was very likable. But um, he didn't have, you know, he just didn't have, he, some guys with Jordan, it's just he has the total package. Um, and this and this is gonna lead me into my into my statement about Jordan and the Bulls and the nine the nineties Bulls and I and why I think so many people love the nineties Bulls. With the with the Showtime Lakers, they were very much Hollywood. Um, everything about them said L.A., Los Angeles, Hollywood. That everything about the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, said that. Even with the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, Kobe and Shaq, they felt very much Hollywood. Shaq did movies, Kobe rap, Kobe did like commercials, Shaq had like commercials. They felt very much like Hollywood. But with the 90s Bulls, um, you know, the early 90s Bulls and even the late 90s Bulls, period, those 90s Bulls, they can they can relate to everybody, and, and, and they can relate to everybody. They have in the they can relate to the people, the population in the East Coast. They can relate to the people, of course, in the Midwest, and they can relate to people. They can relate. They can relate to the people out west. I think that is the fact. I think that is the you know one a key factor on why the Bulls. The '90s Bulls are just liked by everybody, even the, even like even the people of New York and the Knicks. Even though that they would beat the Knicks, beat down the Knicks every time in the postseason, it's the, it, there was a likable. They were just fascinating. And it was like, yeah, they're beating my team, but they're so fascinating. And I think with them being in Chicago, Chicago being in the central part of America, in the you know in the Midwest. It does help. It helped. Because, you know, in the Midwest, those people, you know, they bring lunch pail, you know, work, you know, blue-collar workers. They work. Chicago embodied that. The Bulls, the 90s Bulls embodied that. In the East Coast, it's more about tradition, uh, older, older buildings, older churches, you know, People, you know, they follow traditions. It's more traditional in the East Coast. Uh, there's East. I don't know if you realize, but the East Coast have usually have more uh, private and prep schools. You know, there's not as many private and prep schools out west, but the East Coast have a lot of prep and private schools, uh, traditional buildings, traditional uh, churches, long-standing ch- churches. New York, Philadelphia, D.C., traditional places, Um, Boston, traditional places, traditional landmarks within the East Coast. With the West, there's more, I feel like there's more entrepreneurs. You have Silicon Valley. You have Hollywood. There's, I think there's a feel of more, there's an innovational, there's an innovational feel with the West Coast, they create things in the West Coast. They create software and technology and Apple and iPhones and Amazon and Silicon Valley. They create, they create things in the West Coast. They don't carry much tradition in the West Coast. It's, it's sunny. It's Hollywood. They make movies. More of that in the West Coast. And I feel like the Bulls, the 90s Bulls, they cover all of those things. Michael, the, the Bulls were the, in the, that East Coast. They would play defense. They was t- they were tough. They got their toughness from the, the from the Pistons. They were tough. They would foul you hard. They can play defense. They can they can claw you out. They can beat you down. Out west, the Bulls can also give you that glam factor. That factor where they are. You know they can put it. They can put some pedaz, and they can you know do the flashy layups, the flashy dunks. They can you know do the flashy fadeaways. 
Jordan was the most popular player. Jordan was also in commercials, and he was all he was he was MJ, the shoes, sneakers. I feel like they can, you know, wherever you are, there isn't like a regional thing with this with this '90s Bulls. Whatever you are, you can relate to the '90s Bulls. I feel like with the Alabama dynasty, it's very it's 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 regional base. It's it, you know it's regional base. I don't think people in California are you know. I don't think people in California pay attention to Alabama football. They just don't. It, you know, Alabama is just a regional thing. It's, you know, if you if you live in Alabama, yeah, sure, you like you like Alabama. But if you're in Texas, you don't like Alabama. You're rooting for Oklahoma. You're rooting for the Texas Longhorns. So I feel like with uh, even with the Miami Heat, you know, it was it, the Miami Heat dynasty. With LeBron and D Wade and Bosch, it was built off of free agency and mobility, player mobility. Nothing wrong with that, and the Bulls had some of that too. But the foundation of the Bulls, Michael and M- Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were drafted by the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, now they were ha- they were you know all- they were often get guys in free agency to fill in at certain gaps. But the foundation of those '90s Bulls teams. They drafted those guys. That wasn't the case for the that, that that's not the case for that's not the case for the the Miami Heat. Those Heat teams with LeBron and D Wade and Bosh. Um, even with the Warriors, I think you know the you know this the Warriors with Steph and Clay and Draymond and Durant, they felt more like West Coast. They felt Silicon Valley. They felt. That's how they feel. They have a Silicon Valley. They're more finesse. They innovate. You know, the Warriors' new style of basketball, all the three-point jump shots, they felt more Silicon Valley-ish. They don't felt they don't feel like East Coast traditional lunch pail, blue-collar work. They don't they didn't feel like that. And I think that's why the 90s Bulls are so lovable and or they have a likable factor and quality about themselves. Because they can relate to all of the regions in the U.S. They relate to all. They relate to every region in the U.S. East Coast, Midwest, West Coast. They relate to all three regions. You know, the, you know the, the the '90s Bulls. They had the best player. They had the best coach, Bill Jackson. They had the best. Um, they had the best rebounder in Dennis Rodman. They had the best European player in Tony Kukoc. They had the best duo, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. They had, they had the best defense with, you know, they had the best defenders in Scottie Pippen and Jordan and Ron Harper and Dennis Rodman. You know, they, they, you know, now in their center position, it was just a merry-go-round. It was your, it was, you know, your turn, your turn, your turn. You know, Luke Longley, Bill Cartwright, they was just a part of the team. The team needed length. That's what they were there for. But the Bulls had every aspect. The Bulls had every aspect and a likable aspect about them. They had the best everything. They had the best coach. They had the best player. They had the best duo. They had the best defenders. They had the best defense. They had the best European player. They had the best rebounder. They were just good. They, 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 were, they, they were just well-rounded. They were, they, they were built perfectly. Um, and that's why I think the 90s Bulls are so beloved. Um, also great question from that listener, uh, before I got into this nineties bull spiel, but I, I'm glad that ESPN is, has bumped up this 10 part, this 10, this 10 part documentary about the bulls. Great. Uh, they need all the content they can get. I'll be back after the quick break.
Okay, so you all got you guys all know. Uh, two teams that I like that I really like going into the season. I told and I told I gave you this team last year. Um, I did this last year with the 49ers. I told I, I said I think around OTAs, uh, around preseason time. I said I really like the 49ers front seven and their D line, and I think the 49ers were a a dark horse Super Bowl team. One do you know it? They got to the Super Bowl. I, now, just because I'm saying these two teams, I'm mentioning these, these two teams, I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but these were two teams last year that did not, you know, didn't have, obviously didn't have great years, but I like what, I like the direction that both teams are going, and that's the Broncos and the Dolphins. I like the Broncos, I really like the Broncos and what they've been doing, adding to, uh, Adding defensive linemen uh, like Jarrell Casey, they get they get uh, they get Bradley Chubb back. Just with the addition of Von Miller, yes, they lost Chris Harris Jr., but they replaced him with AJ Boye. So I like some of the moves that they are making. Also, they added Melvin Gordon, and then uh, then the Dolphins. I like Brian Flores as a coach. In some of the moves he made, uh, he has shored up that secondary with with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So they have two lockdown corners. I like that, and they added the, the the Dolphins move with Brian Flores. They were um they were they were similar to New England type moves, and he comes from that New England background. So not surprising. So I like both teams and where they're heading. Speaking of the Dolphins, the Dolphins offered the Cincinnati Bengals a bunch of picks for the number one draft pick. Obviously, we all know that the, I've been talking about the Dolphins and uh, the potential of them drafting Tua or just any quarterback, you know, any of the top quarterbacks. Because we all know the Dolphins. Uh, I, I I was really high on Josh Ro- Rosen, but I don't know. He just doesn't. He, he hasn't panned out yet. He hasn't panned out well. He um quite to be. Quite honest, he doesn't fit today's NFL. Today's NFL, you would like your quarterback to have some type of escapability. He's a sitting duck in the pocket, so he just doesn't fit. So the so Miami, the Dolphins, they offer draft picks, a bunch of draft picks. Cause the Dolphins have a lot of draft picks, and they they offer them to Cincinnati. That that is that is that is what I'm hearing now. With 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 with, would I take the deal? If you're Cincinnati, would I take the deal? No, and I'm gonna tell you why I wouldn't take the deal. Now let me tell you how. Let me tell you guys how I, how I how I my opinion on Joe Burrow. You guys already know my opinion on Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow's a good. I think he's a B. I think he's a B plus prospect. Me personally, I like Tua, but I know Tua has. Some injury concerns. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that too because there's been some updates on Tua, but and it's positive. Um, but with Burrow, I, I think he's a B a prospect. Now you have some of these other guys that say that you know they they they're giving they're giving Joe Burrow, Montana, and Tom Brady. I don't see that. I, I, Peyton Manning. I don't see that. I, I I don't see that. But I think he's I think he. Uh, He's a B. He's a B. He won, he, I think he's a B prospect. I'm gonna say he's a B prospect, and as a B prospect, you can win games in this league. And if 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 Cincinnati was to take the trade, if they were to take the trade, and you know Miami was to draft, if they were to draft uh, two, I mean Burrow, Burrow, Bur- Burrow, Joe would auto, Joe Burrow will automatically go to Miami, the better roster. I think Miami definitely has the better roster because at the, at the receiving position, they're solid. And like I said, what Brian Flores did this offseason was smart. It was a smart move by him. He, he, he loaded up heavy on defense. He loaded up heavy on defense. He, he made sure that his DBs got better and the linebacking core got better. So in the draft, you know Miami is going to go. Miami is going to draft a lot of offensive guys now to put around whatever quarterback they draft. Let's say Cincinnati trades and, you know, they, they give uh, Miami number one pick. They draft Joe Burrow. He automatically goes to the better coach. He goes to the better team. He goes to the be- the easier division. With those three combinations alone, 
You're gonna win games in this league. If you, I mean, if Joe Burrow's everything that I think he's going to be, or if he's everything that the media um, portray, some media members portray him to be, then yes, with this roster, with Miami, with the with the system that they have in place, with the culture that they have in place, he's going to win games. He's going to win. He's going to win seven, eight, nine games a year. Easy division. The only real threat. In the in the AFC East, it's Buffalo. The Jets are still the Jets. They have Adam Gase. Come on, give me a break. And then New England, I, I, I see a down here for them. They'll still be competitive. They'll still win home games. They won't lose a lot of um, home games. But I see a down year for Miami. So, I mean, for, for New England. So, Miami, th- this is the perfect th- – I mean, they would win. He would – Joe Burrow and this roster, they load up on offense in, in the draft. They would win games. They would win games. And you know what that means. Cincinnati would get crushed by the media. Cincinnati would get crushed by the media. Every week Joe Burrow has a good game. Every week that Miami wins, the, the, the media would crush Cincinnati for not drafting uh, Joe Burrow. They would crush him. Now, examples of this where prospects go to the right situation Early on, uh, Carson Wentz went to the right situation. Great prospect. Went to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a functional, uh, nicely ran ran organization. He won a lot. He won games. He's got them to the Super Bowl. Um, Dak Prescott, early on, rookie year, good running back, good offensive line, good receivers, defense played well. He won a lot of games. He won 13 games. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I love Patrick Mahomes as a talent, but it helps that he's in Kansas City, and it helps that he's with Andy Reid, the offensive mind, the offensive mastermind that he is. It certainly does help. Weapons, Travis Kelsey, running game, Andy Reid, best offensive mind. It helps. It certainly helps. Uh, there, there's, there's just so, Russell Wilson goes to Pete Curl. Russell Wilson's a great talent. Love Russell Wilson. Pete Girl's a great coach. Seattle's a nicely ran ran organization. It helps. Fits, I always say this on this podcast, on this platform. Fits matter. If Kyler Murray was in Baltimore, he would have won a lot of games too. Because him and him and Lamar Jackson have similar uh have similar skill sets. So I think Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would have been in Baltimore. Kyler Murray would have been uh, he would have been much more successful. Then he was in Arizona. I think Arizona's getting better as well. But Cincinnati would take a PR hit. They would take a PR hit if Joe Burrow played. If, if Joe Burrow won a lot of games, because if, if they would have traded Joe Burrow to Miami, it, specifically Miami, because because I think Miami, you know, not a lot of people are talking about it. I, and I'm not saying they're going to be Super Bowl contenders. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters. But Miami's gonna win a lot. They're gonna win. A, they're gonna win some games because they got better and they won games last year. They won games last year where people thought they were tanking. They won five of the last nine games with the additions on defense and no telling what they're gonna do on offense. Miami's gonna get better in an easier division with no Brady in their division. The the, the division is practically wide open. I re, I like Buffalo. Not really sold on Buffalo, but I like Buffalo. I like what Buffalo is doing. Not sold on them though. Um, so this is uh, this. I mean, it would take. This would be a major. Cincinnati and the Bagels would take a major PR hit. That's why I get why if if Cincinnati says, okay, we don't, we're not gonna make the trade. We're gonna we're gonna drive Joe Burrow. He's the hometown guy. He was the hottest call. He was the hottest hottest quarterback um, coming out of college. I understand it. Because it's understandable. Because I, I I don't know how that I don't know how that would fare in, in Cincinnati. I don't know how that would fare in Cincinnati. And it's not like Cincinnati has built up great equity with their fans. Like a team like New England this year. I said it uh, a couple weeks ago. Where, where you know when we talking about Brady in New England, I was like, if New England falls to six and ten, if New England goes, if if, if New England goes five and eleven this year. The fans won't care. The fan it won't the the fans it won't matter to the fans because they have the, the 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 organization the franchise has built up equity with the fans. 
So none of that. So if the, if the Patriots say, okay, we're going five and eleven, you know, we have a good defense, but we're just not skilled enough offensively, and they lose a bunch of games like twenty-seven to seventeen, twenty to twenty-four. It's just that they just weren't. They just weren't. They just weren't skilled enough offensively, and they just go to five and eleven. But with Cincinnati, there's no equity that's built up. There is no equity that is built up within Cincinnati. It's it's similar to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has no equity built up. Jacksonville and Cincinnati probably have one of the worst. They probably are the bottom two teams as far as roster because their rosters are bad. In Cincinnati, ownership, front office, don't have any equity built off of. I don't know. I think Jack Taylor, John Taylor is the coach. I don't know if he's a good coach or if he's a bad coach because I can't, I can't, I can't properly, I can't fairly judge him um, off of last year. I just can't because they were just, I mean, their roster is bad. But the draft picks from Miami would help. It would help in a lot of areas. But boy, oh boy, if they just were to draft, if Cincinnati was to draft Joe Burrow. Just think of the division he plays in. He plays in a division with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Both all three teams are dominant up front. Um, all three teams are really good defensively. That would be hell. That 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 would be hell for Joe Burrow. Like that would be that would be hell. And with that with that Cincinnati roster, that 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 would be tough. For any young quarterback, any young quarterback to go into, that that would be tough. Going against Pittsburgh two times a year, Cincinnati, I mean Cleveland two times a year. That D line, that D line is, is serious for Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Good luck if Joe Burrow gets drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals. Good luck. I I wish him the best. And this is my thing. And speaking of the draft, speaking of the draft. I seen a couple teams. So Roger Dale came out and said, "Okay, we're gonna continue on um, as as normal with the draft. Same dates, same whatever, just without the fans, of, of course. No audience, of course. But I like this, and I, I've seen some of the teams come out and say, oh, we, 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 we haven't seen the players enough. We, we haven't scouted the players enough.' I'm like, are you kidding me? This is not the 1970s, like." There's a such thing called Instagram, you know, I, you know, FaceTime, you know, there's like, there's, it's a a such thing called video footage. Like, like, let's use those things. The the bad franchises and the bad GMs and the bad teams are going to use this, you know, this pandemic as an excuse, you know, and and to why they, you know, they couldn't draft as well. They're going to use this as an excuse. Uh, like a guy like John Lynch, he came out and said, we're focused on the draft. John Lynch came out and said, we're focused on the draft. You know, free agency is over, boom. They they were able to keep one of their uh, pass rushers and Eric Armstead, lost to Forrest Buckner, but in exchange, they got, you know, they got a draft, a first-round draft pick from, for him. John Lynch said, we're on to the draft. Those, those are the type of guys that I trust. These other, these other GMs, other teams t- complaining, talking about, hey, we can't get into the facilities. We can't talk to our staff. FaceTime, you know, computers. This is not the 1960s. This is not the 1950s. Like, there's there's technical there's there's technological advances now. Like, we're 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 living in a new day and age. Come on, come on. You got figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. There's 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 a lot of ways to figure it out. You haven't seen. I, I know some players are hosting, uh, are holding like virtual pl- uh, pro days, virtual workouts. Like, come on. There's video, there's webcams, there's live, Instagram live, Facebook live, Twitter. Like, there's a such thing. Use those. <laughs> Use those instead of complaining. And I like that the NFL, they don't care. The NFL doesn't care. And that's what I like, and that's what I like most about the NFL, and that's what I think the NBA can grow at. Um, you know, I've been talking about, I've been talking, I've been going on and on about these leagues, and I've been talking about these leagues and how they can get better, and um, you know, some things they can get better. But in this aspect, this is what I like about the NFL. The NFL don't care about the optics. 
They do not care what Instagram and Twitter is saying. The NBA does, though, because the NBA is, uh, it, you know, all the young kids like the NBA, including myself. My generation really like the NBA, but unlike uh, my peers, they don't watch the games. I watch the games. Many, uh, many people, many peer, many people of my generation, they catch the highlights. They catch Zion's fifteen-second dunk. They catch that clip on Instagram. They don't watch the games. And everything is based off of Twitter and what Instagram says. Uh, you know, the NFL doesn't care about that. You know, the, the NBA lost almost a billion. They, they, they lost millions of dollars. They lost hundreds of millions of dollars because of one GM tweet. tweet. Dan Moy tweet. The Dan Moy tweet. Lost the NBA millions of hundreds of millions of dollars. That would never happen to the NFL because the NFL does not care about the optics. The NBA does because, and quite frankly, they have to because that's where a good share of their, you know, of their fans come from. They come from Twitter. They come from all these social media platforms. The NFL doesn't care. And I like that they are bringing a sense of like um, a sense of normalcy. Like when I come on here, I try to bring a, a sense of normalcy uh, during these times because I know a lot of people's schedules are being out of whack. I know it's difficult for people to work during these times, so I try to bring a sense of normalcy. And I'm glad that the NFL is bringing a sense of normalcy, um, some a sense of abulation. Uh, you know, trying to uh, show up and try to sh- try to show up that there will be an NFL season. I like that they're going full head of steam. Con- you know, not continue your regular schedule, but if you're the NFL, you got lucky. This thing, this this outbreak, this pandemic of the coronavirus of COVID nineteen, this th- it happened during baseball and the NBA season. Going into September, October. Hopefully it'll die down. The NFL caught a break though. It didn't happen. It this outbreak did not happen. It did not transpire um, during their during, during their season. So they have time to prepare for it. They have time to you know put some guidelines and some restrictions into it. I already told you guys a couple weeks ago um, that there wasn't there wasn't going to be no OTAs. That's really important, but um, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, highly unlikely that's going to be OTAs, and that's what I'm hearing as well from uh, various sources. OTAs is looking very unlikely, um, but that's as we predicted. But I'm glad that the NBA, I mean, the NFL has presented some sense of normalcy within this situation. I like that they are continuing on with their schedule as planned. I like I like I like the fact that they're doing that. I like the fact that they're doing all of those things to bring a sense of normalcy. You know, there's a lot of you know the the, the unemployment rate is at fifteen percent. You, I think it's gonna get higher. You know, people losing their jobs. People, some people are losing their jobs. It's difficult. It's tough. Schedule changing. Schedule is changing. You know, other regions. It, 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 this this thing has hit other regions harder than others. I'm glad the NFL is bringing a sense of normalcy. I'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Um, <clears throat> like I said on uh, the previous segment, I talked about um, Joe Burrow and, you know, his status and what I think, uh, you know, should Cincinnati make that trade? I don't think so. Um, but uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the, the quarterback that I think um, coming into the seat, coming into college football last year, I thought Tua Tagovailoa was the best quarterback coming into the draft. Um, of course, Joe Burrow came onto the scene, had a great year at LSU, wins the national title game. Uh, Tua still had a great year, but, he- of course, health is a concern. Um, 
Now, the only thing that I think that I think we're over, I think Tua's health issues are being overstated. But before I get into Tua's health issues being overstated, he he did his fourth. They, this is the fourth time that he he did his checkup. He comes back positive. He looks really good. They say his hip is fully recovered. Uh, Tua put out a, a report, you know, a couple minutes ago, just saying that he feels really good. He feels well. So. I do like the optimism um, that's coming from Tua's camp, and you know, as the as the draft is getting closer and closer, I think Tua, by, just with, with pure talent, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, like Joe Burrow, he doesn't do one particular thing well. I mean, like extremely great. But I, like I said, I think Burrow's a B plus quarterback. But you guys already know about my question marks that I have about Joe Burrow. Um, you know, being a one year, one being a a guy that had a great year, a great one year. Uh, he wasn't even on some of these teams' b- draft board. Now he's at the top of it. I, I just think it's 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 um, LSU is a football factory. They 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 have nothing but talent that comes out of LSU. They just been having a hard time finding the right offensive system. Um, and, and they 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 found they found it last year, but I just you know with the all the weapons that they had, I didn't I I didn't think Joe Burrow was an A prospect. I I look at him more as a B prospect. That's just me. But with Tua, uh, I see a lot of Drew Brees. Uh, with with his accuracy, with his deep ball, with his touch, I see a lot of Drew Brees. People don't people don't tend to remember, but um, I, I think Tua. I think with Brees, um. Like I said, people don't remember because they they just know Breeze as a great pocket passer. But when Breeze was younger, Breeze was Breeze had some wheels, and I think Tua, you know, I think Tua may be a little bit more athletic than Breeze um, than a younger Drew Breeze. But Breeze had some wheels, and Tua he he displays his athleticism. But I think his injuries have been over in, like have been overstated because you know he had the ankle injuries. The ankle injuries, the ankle surgeries that he had, they weren't surgeries that he needed. Uh, he got the surgery so the so the injuries could heal quicker, and you know, in a, in, you know, much more of expedient time in a timely manner. That's why he had got those ankle injuries. I feel like an ankle injury, a knee injury, a shoulder injury. I feel like all football players have dealt with it. I, like you, could, I think you can, you can name just about every football player. That has dealt with a knee, an ankle injury of any of any sort. I think a football player has dealt has like went through that and played through that. Um, now the hip is a concern because it could be one of those Bo Jackson things where you just wake up one morning and you can't play. So it could be. So the hip is a concern. I get the concerns. You know. You know around the hip. I understand it because that 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 that's a big that's a big time injury. Um. But with Tua, and this is the thing, and this goes back to my point. With with God, and I know some people are not gonna like it because you know some people just think I hate John Wall and these type of guys. But a guy like Derrick Rose, uh, John Wall, Russell Westbrook, all explosive point guards, all explosive, elusive point guards. None have really developed a steady go-to jump shot. None have developed a jump shot. The game, the back. The game of basketball has transformed into a jump shooting league. Knee, no, no, no. Derrick Rose had his knee issues, had his knee injuries. He was never really a proficient shooter. He, he, he you know, his game didn't, you know, it didn't last long. He, you know, he was no longer uh, MVP caliber Derrick Rose, MVP caliber point guard. Uh, the same could be said for John Wall. John Wall, we don't know what he looks like after, you know, after these. Achilles and uh, these other injuries of sort, but we're gonna imagine John Wall, bunch of knee injuries, bunch of lower extremity injuries. His game is predicated off of athleticism, being quick, being the fastest on the floor. Never really developed a jump shot. That's been my thing with Russell Westbrook. I think Westbrook, if he has knee problems, his game will evolve quickly, quickly. Guy like Steph Curry will play forever because he can shoot. Guy like Dirk Nowitzki can play forever because he can shoot. Guys like Ray Allen can play forever because they can shoot. So, but with a guy like Russell Westbrook, if he had, if he's in his mid thirties and he had knee problems, if he had nagging, nagging knee issues, 
He won't. He, his game will erode quickly. It will. It, 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 it'll erode quicker because he has never been a proficient proficient jump shooter. Hasn't. I mean, not to say he hasn't worked on it, but it's still not at the level where it should be. And with Tua, it's not like Tua depends on his legs. His best trait. His best traits are his deep ball accuracy. His accuracy. Not so much predicated off of his athleticism and his legs. A guy like Deshaun Watson, it helps to have his it, it helps to have his legs. Uh, Carson Wentz, it helps to have his leg. You're talking about a guy that dealt with, uh, you know, a guy that you know some people, que- a lot of people question his health. Can he play 16 games? Can Tua play 16 games? I think Tua, if Tua can't play 16 games, get you a solid backup. But I think Tua, I think Tua is so good. If you put him on the right, if he gets drafted to the right and you know the right roster with the proper pieces around him, I think Tua is so good where he can play twelve games and win you nine of those. I think that's how that's how good I think Tua is. I don't think he's as good as uh, you know these guys coming out next year, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, because I think these guys are generational talents. But Tua is really good. I like Tua as I I really like Tua as a prospect. I like and he's been really good for for years now, not just a year like Joe Burrow. I like Tua. He's been good for years now. Came into the national championship game at 19, came in, delivered, played well. Uh, same thing. Same could be said for you know you know the same can't be said for Joe Burrow. That you know one year one year struggled really well. You know, played well, had the good roster, had the perfect schedule. Nobody got hurt. Everything went well for Joe Burrow. That's the, you know, if he gets drafted, like I said, if he gets drafted Cincinnati, that's not going to be the case. Um, so since it's April Fools, <clears throat> it's April Fools, right? It's April Fools. I got the most foolish trades in sports. I have the most foolish trades in sports. Right here, since it's April Fools, we're gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read out a couple. I'm gonna read out a few that I that I just found interesting. I didn't mean. I didn't know that you know. Owner and usually with these with these trades, these lopsided trades and these owners, you know. I, I you know I just never thought um you know these trades went down like this. But I'm gonna tell you some trades. I'm gonna give you some trades, some lopsided and some foolish trades. So here go the, here go the trades here go the trades that I, that um that were foolish, um I got these um off a of bleach report I, some of these off a of bleach report, some of these I just know, um so the first trade Paul Gasol to the Lakers two thousand eight Paul Gasol to the Lakers, um I don't know if you guys remember, but Kobe Bryant wanted a trade that year he wanted a tra- that summer before the season Kobe Bryant demanded a trade on national television. And he didn't think he didn't feel like the Lakers were very committed. Um, well, the Lakers got off the, the Lakers got off to a hot start that season. Andrew Bynum got hurt, had a broken kneecap. Um, you know, the Lakers struggled. Then after, you know, once Andrew Bynum got hurt, the Lakers struggled. But then they made the trade to acquire Paul Gasol. Um, we all know that his brother Mark Gasol was in that deal. Uh, Kwame Brown, guys like that was in that deal. It was a huge deal for the Lakers. Uh, they got a they got an all star caliber big man. Um, now I think, in my opinion, of a Hall of Fame uh, big man in Paul Gasol. Um, that then led to the champ, the Lakers winning titles for the next two for the next what two out of three years. Two out of three years, the Lakers won the finals, um, and Kobe was able to get those championships. So that was a big that was a foolish trade. <laughs> um, enough now. Here go the crazy ones. These are some crazy ones. Babe Ruth to the Yankees. The Red Sox had Babe Ruth. Not only did they trade Babe Ruth, you know, of course, Babe Ruth won, you know, not, he won World Series titles with the Yankees, and we all know Babe Ruth is universally known as, like, the best baseball player in the world, or baseball, best baseball player ever. But not only that, this, this, this trade led to the, led to the Red Sox 86-year drought of not winning a World Series. I think in they I think they they the Red Sox traded Beirut for a musical 
to to enhance their musical. I, it's some. It's it's a it's an outrageous story. But um, it, it just it just goes to show you how bad some of these uh, some of these owners are it, when it comes to uh, you know making the right deals and trying to get the right deals. Uh, bad deal, obviously a bad deal for the Boston Red Sox and them leading to the their eighty six year drought with no World Series titles. It just it, it, it I think that trade explains the direction of where the two franchises went since then. Uh, the Yankees have won 27 World Series titles. Yeah, the Boston Red Sox have experienced some recent success, but not nearly and not nearly the same success as uh, the Yankees. Um, the next one, Dr. J could have been a Nick. Obviously, uh, the Nets. So this is a funny story as well. So the Nets, the the the, the you know the Nets in the 1970s. Dr. J was probably as he was probably the biggest ABA star uh to recall. He was probably the biggest ABA star in recall. Uh now the the the, the New York Nets, uh they you know they had to cough up they had to cough up and give up a lot of money because they were they had to, you know, they were playing the back, you know, with the Knicks. So the 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 the, the, the Nets offered the Knicks Dr. J uh, in, in exchange for three million dollars. You know the Knicks, of course, did not take it. The Knicks did not take Dr. J. Um, we see how that has gone for them. Um, and you know, of course, we all know the Seventy Sixers traded for Dr. J. So Dr. J, I mean, could you imagine Dr. J being a New York Nick? With the flashy dunks and you know just his play style, just his play style and the excitement he brung, um, yeah, that would have been box office for Madison Square Garden. Too bad the Knicks, you know, it's just another bad deal with it within their bad history. Bad deal for the Knicks. They uh, they missed out on a chance to get Dr. J. I bet some of you guys did not know that. Um, the next one I find funny as well. The San Francisco Warriors. Traded Will Chamberlain to the Philadelphia 76ers. Seems like the 76ers come out on the right side of these trades. So the war, the, the San Francisco Warriors were financially trapped and they had to trade Will Chamberlain. Well, the the following season, the 76ers won a championship. Okay? But no, they won the championship, but get this. They won the championship against San Francisco for, for the San Francisco Warriors. They beat the San Francisco Warriors with Will Chamberlain. You know that the San, you know the Seventy Six had Will Chamberlain. The Warriors traded Will Chamberlain, and then they meet up in the finals, and the Seventy Sixers beat them. So uh, yeah, they traded. So the Warriors traded away Will Chamberlain, their best player, and then they lost to the finals to the Seventy Sixers, the team that they traded him to. That's bad. That's bad luck. Um, a, another recent one, I think everybody knows this one. This is probably, you know, this is probably, you know, just a little probably fresh in some people's heads. Kobe Bryant traded to the Lakers. The Hornets traded for Vlade Divac. Uh, he played, he didn't even last three years. He was, he was in Charlotte for a half an hour. Kobe, of course, was, um, Kobe is, you know, the late great Kobe Bryant. He's a five-time champion. Um, coach thing to Michael Jordan, stylistically. And is uh, you know one of the greatest players of all time to ever play, and uh, so this one, um, this one is also a good one too. This is also a good one too. Scottie Pippen to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the, I think you know if if, if the Seattle SuperSonics would have kept Scottie Pippen, I think um, I think the I think the with the roster that the Seattle SuperSonics had. They would have won a title. They would have won a title. They they would have won at least one title. They uh, they would have yeah with Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Scottie Pippen. I think they win at least one title. Um, so in the nineteen in the you know in, you know in that draft, uh, Scottie Pippen was traded for Odin Polonski, in a in a future second round pick. So the the Bulls, <clears throat> excuse me. The Bulls traded for Scottie Pippen with a second-round pick 
And they got <clears throat> in Seattle Supersonics got Odin Polonski, who averaged seven point eight points per game. And uh, you know, he was only there for two years. He only he only lasted in he only lasted in Seattle for two years. Of course, Scottie Pippen is probably the greatest Robin to uh, Batman in league history, and he finished with six rings. We all know that. Come on. Um, and then lastly, Harden, James Harden to the Rockets. James Harden to the Rockets. Remember that? James Harden to the Rockets. I think everybody knows this one. James Harden to the Rockets. Uh, the, you know, it was Serge Ibaka, James Harden. The, 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 the OKC Thunder didn't want to pay the luxury tax, even though the luxury tax was going up. So they could have got around. Uh, they could have got Harden a deal and got around some of that luxury tax. Instead, they didn't do that. They traded away Harden for Kevin Martin. And some picks, and now they lost Harden, they lost Westbrook, and they lost Durant. Uh, we we there was a lot of upside for that team, but um, yeah, it just didn't pan out. The you know the Thunder didn't want to pay the luxury; they didn't want to pay the small luxury tax to keep James Harden. Uh, James Harden, you know, we all know that he's a great scorer. He has he averaged 30, thirty, he averaged like thirty six and a half points per game. We all know that was the wrong move. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, those are my foolish trades. Uh, the, the foolish trades. Uh, you'd be surprised on what some of these teams do and some of these owners do. You know, the Knicks, not surprising. You know, these are just bad. These are some of these bad franchises that just make bad situations. But thank you guys for listening to another episode of the IKP, Isaiah K Podcast. i catch you guys later soon. Thank you guys for listening, tuning in. Uh, to all those platforms that you guys do it from, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, uh, uh, whatever. I heard you guys, some of you guys listen to it on Stitcher. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. But thank you guys. Keep clicking, keep listening, keep tuning in. Uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Please, adios, amigos, whatever they say to make an exit. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I catch you guys. After this, um, I'm gone.